1: When you see the corruption and you see the abuses of power, it makes it difficult to follow after. But yet, God calls us as His children to a higher standard than others, as we're exploring next, here on Abounding Grace. How do we as believers in Christ respond to corrupt government, corrupt officials, and a leadership that just doesn't care about its citizens anymore as much as it cares about its own power? Well, God has called us as believers to a higher standard and a different calling. And at the end of the day, no matter how corrupt our government may seem, God is still on the throne. He is still just. And you and I serve that God. That gives us an edge, no matter how corrupt things may seem otherwise. For the details, let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner on today's Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose.
2: Peter was defending his Lord in the garden when he pulled his sword, and Jesus said, Put it back, Peter. This wasn't for show. This was out of deference to the authorities that he knew his father had ordained. And the fact that the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders were totally profane and blasphemous didn't change a thing. Because God had given them the authority that they had. He obeyed them, not as they deserved in themselves, but as they deserved by virtue of the authority that God Had given to them. And this is what I think it means to obey for conscience sake. It is to recognize that the civil authorities, our husband, if we are a wife, our parents, if we are a child, our elders, if we are sheep, which is all of us, these men stand in the place of God to us, even if they are unworthy. They rule by God's appointment. They rule as his ministers. Therefore, unless a situation arises where we must disobey men because obedience to God commands it, then our convictions must be in line with our father's decree and our father's example. Very simply, respect, honor, and obey those in authority over us. Now, here's the problem. In the West, at least... And particularly since Romanticism, the idea of conscience and freedom have been mingled. We hear people say, well, no one can buy my conscience, which is really only another way of saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, or I'm going to do what I think is right, regardless of what anyone else says. Now, our confession says that Christ alone is the Lord of the conscience, And has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men. But this does not mean that when it comes down to determine our moral duty, that it is just me and Jesus working things out. That is not what that means. It doesn't mean Christ in your conscience or Lord of your conscience. It doesn't mean Christ and your opinions are Lord of your conscience. It means he alone is the Lord of the conscience. Alone. To say I've worked this out with God is usually just a pretense for rebellion and to do what I want to do. Someone who doesn't want to submit to their husband. Well, it's against my conscience to do that. Some person who doesn't want to submit to their parents or elders or employers or whatever or civil ruler. Sorry, that's against my conscience. Remember something about the Lord Jesus. He is the only, the final and the sufficient arbiter of truth. Period. His authority is exclusive and it is solo. Not what we think is right. Not what we really, really feel. Oh, but I heard a voice. Our inner voices are delusional. Our convictions can be incorrect. And this is the reason why we are never told in Scripture to follow Jiminy Cricket's philosophy of life. Let your conscience be your guide. We're never told this. We are told, let Scripture be your guide. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Our Lord rules our conscience by His Word. So if we are going to plead conscience for us, this translates into, I better be pleading first, Corinthians 4.2. I better be pleading Scripture. Because if my conscience is not informed by Scripture not just my own little private ideas and convictions, but scripture, what God has said, then conscience goes astray. And in this context toward the civil government, what should our conscience say? It should be saying what God's word says, which is to respect, honor, and obey those in authority over us. Pilate's decree to crucify Jesus was completely unjust. Yet he submitted to it. Why? Because his conscience was bound to the will of his father. That is why when you read the gospels, you always hear Jesus saying things like, so it must be fulfilled as it is written. It becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Why does he say these things? Because our conscience is only as good and accurate as it is informed by the Word of God. And He has not given us the responsibility to work that out just on our own little spiritual islands. He has given us teachers and preachers and parents and husbands to whom God commands us to obey. It's interesting that when these kinds of subjects come up, I have often thought, well, I know what that says. Now let me figure out all the extreme cases that would free me from having to do this so strictly. But that is never how the Holy Spirit handles this issue. He never says, obey, but here are 5,000 caveats when you don't have to obey. He just says, obey, submit, be subject to. Yes, other places in Scripture give us little pings to say. But we need to obey God rather than men. So if the two authorities collide, we know what we have to do and take the consequences. But the emphasis upon Scripture is obey, submit to authority. So where God has commanded, we can't say things like, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with You, husband, or my conscience is not bound by this. Yes, it is. If a legitimate authority has spoken, we must submit to it, unless that command directly violates a clear command of God. But that would infringe upon my freedom. That is humanism. You know, movies we watch sometimes, like Braveheart, William Wallace yells out freedom, and trust me, I love this movie. That context may have required this because it was self-defensive. But it resonates with us in the West now because freedom. I have a right to do what I want to do. No, you don't. I have a right to live as I think best. No, you do not. God says, be subject to the higher authority. Be subject to the powers that be. So we in the church must separate what God has never joined together, and that is conscience and the freedom to do what one wants. Scripture tells us what is right. Scripture tells us what we should want to do, and conscience is only as good and as reliable as it submits to what God is teaching by His Spirit in the Word. That teaching is not just given to Gary or to John, or to Ben, or to Ken. It is given to the whole church down through the ages, which is why we have got to study Scripture, and not as islands, but as part of the whole body of Christ down through the ages. Now, verses 6 and 7. If all of this has been rough, verses 6 and 7 get really rough even though they are the shortest verses, because here the Holy Spirit wants us to know that submission is not just something that's theoretical. It is an absolute command, just like April 15th. He says, for this cause, pay ye tribute. Tribute here is the levy made upon goods, property, people, even fines that are given out. The word can be used in any of these categories. That is what our Lord Jesus paid. He paid his tribute, his personal tribute. You're a man, you owe this. Peter, go get it out of the fish's mouth. He paid his tribute to the Roman authorities. And we are no better than he. So we must pay our tribute. We must not be we are not exempted from authority to which Jesus was subjected himself. This usually ends up with, well, that's not fair. But diverse forms of government or individual rights are relevant when God has spoken and our Savior has paid his tribute. We must pay it, or we infringe upon God's authority over us. God will repay the injustices, beloved. You see, this is where we have to walk by faith. Because we're thinking, yeah, but if I, yeah, but if I, that is God's office. His responsibility. Our office is now, yeah, but, that's not an office. Yeah, but, in lust they, or out of greed they, that is not an office. That is God's office. He is the judge. He is the avenger. We are his servants. So we know, and I do know, Christians who believe will, we believe, will be in heaven. Yet, they protest and they try to evade taxes, not understanding that from what scripture says, that is evading God's authority. That is protesting his authority. You might say, but it's grinding us down. But you know what? Again, this is a hard thing to hear. And it's a hard thing for me to hear. And it has required an adjustment in my thinking. I have to confess, but just like I had to stand and take my punishment when I was getting spanked by my father, when I was growing up, I couldn't fight it. That only made it worse. I had to stand and take it. When we live under oppressive governments that do not see themselves as ministers of God, God is spanking us. So we're supposed to take it meekly and make our cry to Him day and night and speak God's truth and pay the consequences. Pray for God to defend us. And realize God is disciplining us because of sin, because of unbelief, because of unfaithfulness. So you can't plead conscience on April 15. Well, I don't want to support this government. I don't want to finance a government that pays for abortions. Well, I don't either. But that is God's business to straighten out with the powers that be. You can stand in protest. But you better be in deep prayer also. Just like it doesn't matter how a ruler came to possess his authority. The powers that be we are to submit to, God says. Pay if you have to men who are evil. Then consider it a tribute to God and to his authority over you. He adds in verse 7, so that no one can get around this, render all their dues. He mentions tribute again. Then he adds custom, which is an indirect tax, an indirect toll, you might say. But notice here, the payment of monies and levies are part of a larger payment schedule, if you will. Custom to whom custom is due, more financial burden, fear to whom fear, we owe to those whom God has raised up over us fear. We owe them reverence, in other words. It's interesting there that the word fear is the same word used in Matthew five thirty four, where Paul says, Let your wife see to it that she reverence her husband. Fear her husband. That's a strong word. That just seems to fly in the face. But this is not advocating male supremacy. So don't go down that route, men, because this is all under Christ. And it shows how much we are to bend our wills to those whom God has raised up over us. Any man who reads that should quake in his boots that he does not abuse the authority God has given to him. But at the same time, let's not diminish it. Let the wife see to it that she reverences her husband. Fear him, as Sarah did, calling Abraham Lord. And let us as citizens see to it that we reverence and fear those whom God has raised up over us. Not because they may personally be worthy. They may be in hell one day, but that's not our business Our business is to stand for our Savior in the ways that He has called us to stand for Him. And those in authority betray their trust, but God will deal with them. Well, this has been a very difficult set of verses. I understand, for you and for me. It very much challenges all my thinking about this. Well, we have rights, and no one can take them away from us. But the Holy Spirit speaks very clearly here, I think. What our stance toward human governments, in whatever sphere they should be, is reverence, honor, and obedience. Now, we're not forbidden to make appeals to them, particularly our form of government allows it, or even to appeal to other illegitimate authorities. Paul did it. It's fine. But if those appeals are rejected, we're to be silent and to submit. So I might say in conclusion, just to apply this more broadly, the wife is under a husband, the husband is under Christ, the preacher must submit to the elders, the elders submit to one another, children must obey their parents in the Lord, citizens must obey the civil government. Now what is the principle here? Everyone is under authority. And the American ideal, where every man gets to define life like he wants it, Satan just licks his lips. And he says, this is exactly why I chose Eve in the beginning. Women are easier to deceive, softer, gentler. Eve Eve moved out from her husband's authority for that moment when she should have said, what? You know what? I can't make this decision here on my own. I need to go back and talk to my husband. Every area of life is under authority. And as Christians, we might think, what about our freedom? We need a revolution to defend our, do we walk by faith or by sight? God is our defender. He has nowhere said, you are your primary defenders. You better look out for number one. No, he says, you look out after my glory and I will look out after you. You seek first my kingdom and righteousness and I will take care of you. So if we desire God's blessing upon us, if we desire, Lord, I want to be delivered from unjust governments, I want kings to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, one of the things required for that to happen is that we, in our lives and in the church, must show a pattern of heartfelt submission to authority, and we must pray day and night for Him to deliver us from injustices and give us help to be more like our Savior. He did not revile, he did not resist, but submitted himself to the one who judges righteously, and God avenged him, and he will avenge us. This is the way. The way is not rights. There has been way too much of bringing everything down to our rights. Our path is not rights. That is what nailed the Son of God to the tree. Our path is submission. What are his first words to every disciple? Does someone here today want to give themselves to Christ's disciple, to be Christ's disciples? I want to give my life to the king. If there is a king, like you say, and his name is Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need to repent, I need to go under the king. Well, what are the king's first words to you? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. His first words are not affirm yourself. God has a wonderful plan for your life. What you need to do is just keep the plans you've had for yourself and just add God to it and then you'll be a super Christian. No. Deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. In other words, his first word is submission. Why? Mark 10:45. Even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That, my friends, is the path of discipleship. It is the path of our submission to higher authorities. And it also gives us hope. That if we are doing everything we can to submit, to be humbled, and we cry to God day and night, Lord, deliver us from evil, deliver us from oppression. Please bring ungodly men to bay and raise up godly leaders. We have every reason to believe that God will hear us in due time. Because when we are more concerned about his honor than our rights, he works. Because that is the issue in any state or government. The issue is not who gets what. The issue is not, are my rights preserved? There is only one issue. Is the king obeyed? Is God honored? If he is not honored, I could be prosperous and have everything that my heart could wish for. But my heart is breaking. Because men are not fearing God and loving the Lord Jesus and ruling in in terms of his words do you feel like this just pray through the psalms like this when you read David about delivering God delivering us from ungodly men and setting up his king make sure you read that and pray that in terms of Christ and his kingdom that's what it means to cry day and night God you are dishonored here it's not about me You plead your own name, not my rights. You plead your own cause. You plead your covenant. You promised to your son that for humbling himself, becoming obedient unto death, you would build his kingdom and that every knee would bow to him, that your zeal would perform this. This is not about me making sure I get a slice of any pie. Just let me perish. For all that counts is that you are glorified. And the Lord Jesus Christ is confessed to be the king and only savior. That is the beating heart of the disciple. And when that is our heart again, we will pray a certain way. And God will hear it. And we will want to come together to pray. I'm tired. Yes. But I've got to come and pray because The king is being dishonored. So we've got to pray these promises so that God will fulfill his word to his king that he has now set on his holy hill in Zion. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would give each one of us hearts to submit to your will the only king that there is our hearts tend toward and run toward revolution they tend toward freedom but on our terms oh help us to learn child a child's submission father not my will but yours be done there is very little we can do now after the church's silence for so many years to change our government or those in authority but they are well under your reign and bridle and you will deal with them but you deal with us first For judgment, as we know, begins at the door of your house. So where we are not submissive and are not demanding our rights, help us to repent for Christ and are demanding our rights. Help us to repent for Christ's sake. Amen.
1: Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, the Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607, that's our phone number, 408-866-5607, or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for Post Mailbox, number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless.